Awesome. Awesome. Uh, how's everybody doing? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. I'm impressed. I had to give it a couple shots the first service, so thank you for the wooers and the excited people. And for those of you, do, you that are asleep, we'll get you there in a minute. So I just want to tell you this. Um, based on what God did in the first service and what I feel like hopefully is going to happen in this service, um, I just really think God's going to speak to a bunch of people, and I want you to know that this isn't for any one individual, okay? So, like, if, if you come to church expecting, man, maybe God will speak to somebody today, hope, hope that somebody's you. Hope that today it's for you, because I'm telling you this message is for each and every one of you, no matter where you are or where you come from, no matter what background you are, color, rich or poor, it doesn't matter. This message is for you in particular. And it is for you if you've ever been hurt, if you've ever had circumstances that are so bad that they weigh you down, if you've ever lost a loved one or lost someone in your life that you really love, or you got so hurt by someone that you love dearly that it's like left a hole in your heart. If that's any of you in here, then this message is for you. And if you're not in any of those categories where you've been wronged by a person, a group, or or a group of a small group of people, a family, your family. Uh, this may not be the church for you because we're a bunch of jacked up people that are hurting. So I'm just being honest with you. There might be one that tells you, you know what? If you smile, everything will be good. The truth is, life sucks sometimes. Life is really hard. But today, here's what's awesome. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Like the last two songs are so amazing with this message. The worship team does an amazing job, by the way, don't they? Picking out those songs and how it ties in. I just love it. It's awesome. And I just, like, I hope you believe what it says, that there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. And that's what we want to do today. And so the goal of this message is for you to walk away and maybe more than you ever have in your life for you to be free from what's inside of here and what's hurting you. Will you pray with me? God, in the next few minutes, I pray that um, we have some fun. We act crazy, uh, but most importantly, God, that, that we'll break every chain, not personally because we can't, but by allowing you to do it. We are excited because I believe in my heart that you're going to do something crazy. One person's already trusted you today, and God, I believe more are going to get saved this service. Most importantly, I believe an army will leave here ready to change the world. I love you, Jesus. Amen. All right, so just by show of hands or... Uh, whatever. How many of y'all like to go to the zoo? Straight up. You like, you like to walk around the zoo. That's good. That's a lot of people. I've been to the San Diego Zoo and some of the big zoos, and I'm just going to be straight up with you. After a while, it's just a freaking zoo, and it smells like poop because they poop everywhere, and so it just kind of, it is what it is. And most of the time, it seems like I go to the zoo when it's 150 degrees, and there's asphalt and concrete everywhere, and I don't like to be that hot. Now, I know this is an observation that maybe y'all haven't done before, but I'm really big. Right? Like, if you're this person that's, like, this big and, like, you're all the time, like, it's 75 degrees outside and you wear a sweater, the zoo might be awesome. But at 75 degrees, my kneecaps are already sweating. So at 100 degrees, it's bad. You know, so, And I haven't found a zoo yet where there's not a lot of concrete and asphalt and it's a good zoo and you don't feel like the snakes are going to get through the cage and bite you. So, you know, there's, there's either that zoo or the real zoo and then, you know, whatever. But, like, we go to the zoo, right? I mean, it's, it's good and the kids love it and... Like, the whole thing with the zoo right now for us is I'm afraid Haston's going into the cages. And there's sometimes that it's okay. But anyway, uh, that we like, okay, go be with them. But anyway, <laughs> y'all have never felt that way, so that's just me. But, like, 
we like it and stuff in, in this the zoo thing, and we do it at least once a year. And by the way, the Holly Wild Zoo doesn't count if you're driving through it and there's Christmas lights because that's, that's – I mean, it's cool. It's like you feed the deer and they stick their head in and stuff, the bigger animals. But I'm talking about like a real zoo with crazy, scary animals. And the Holly Wild does have it, but not then. But, like, how many of y'all have been at a zoo and, like, you see the jungle cats, like the lions or the tigers, and they're just chilling, right? They're just laying there. And you're like, I could hang out with them. Like, some of y'all are like, no, yes, you have. I, I promise, you've thought this. When they're just laying there and they seem so nice, like they're just so, they're, they're, sometimes they wrestle, but it's like a very short amount of time. They're not going to spend their energy. They just chill and they try to stay cool and they seem so sweet. You just look at them like this picture. I, like, have y'all, if y'all walk past this, y'all see y'all, all of y'all. That's what I'm talking about. If you're walking by this, oh, and then you fall off, right? We're like, Hasten, go in there with them. That'd be fun, right? Yeah, I mean, but you see them right there. I'm telling you. Do we not think in our minds, well, we could go in there and pet them, right? We're just sweet Mr. Lion who weighs 650 pounds, whose head is this big. But, but when, even when you walk past them, like when they're right there, you're like, they're probably nice. They want to eat your freaking head off. They're murderers. They're angry, and they only eat meat. They're not into vegetarian stuff. They're going to eat you if you jumped in with them. And you were like, I bet over time we'd become friends. You would become a friend of it because it would eat you. That would be awesome, right? But on the surface, like, they look so nice. By the way, how many of y'all have cats? You're, 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 you have pet cats. I got nothing but love for y'all. Your cat wants to do the same thing that lion does. I'm just letting y'all know. Your cat wishes it could eat you, and it's just not big enough. It feels the same way. So if you love your cat, that's great. Just make sure it doesn't get 650 pounds because it's going to try to eat you at some point. But it's good if you like them. It's cool. I like cats too. So anyway, no, but I like your cat. I won't run over your cat. I promise. I'm never going to run over your cat unless it's an accident. So anyway, uh, but, but like this lion, when we look at it, right, he's so sweet. No, he's not. And listen, listen, a bunch of us are that way in here. We walked in here today. We're like, man, I'm going to tell you what, that Jeff, man, he is a nice dude. He's a nice dude. That Mark, that pastor, dude, he's always talking to me. He's so nice. Y'all have no idea what's going on inside of my heart. I could be raging with anger and look like a kind, sweet lion that you could just come up and pet, right? He's got so much kindness in him. He's so sweet. Every time I talk to him, he's so nice. But inside I have so much anger bubbled up because of something that's down deep that I've hidden. And eventually it comes up and it, and it just attacks. And you can't hold them down for long because a lion wants to eat. Listen, the root of murder, and I'm telling you, you can call it whatever you want because it's animals. And I'm, I'm not saying this is inhumane. It's part of, the, part of the cycle. I understand that. But, but he is a killer. Like that's his, all his instincts. He can't not be that because that's what his nature is. And by the way, lions don't get saved, so he can't change. Well, guess what we are with our instincts? We're killers. Like, I sin in my life, meaning I do anything that I say or think or do that, that displeases God. I sin because I choose to, and I sin because it's what I am. It's my nature, and I don't like it. I wish I never did. I wish I could just wave a wand and go, up. Oh, he's free from it. But it's who I am. And one of the big roots, I'm telling you, one of the big roots, and, and, and we push it back. Like, this is the one that we don't want to talk about a lot. 
because we push it back because someone wronged us, right? My circumstances are so bad, dude. If you knew I lost my loved one, like if, if you knew that I lost my dad in a car wreck, dude, it was such a horrible accident. I'm mad at God. How could he do this to me? How could he let this happen to me? How could, how could my wife have cheated on me like she did? How could that group of friends, how could they betray me like they did? So you don't understand my circumstances, and I'm telling you, I don't. You're, you're exactly right. I, I don't understand anyone in here's circumstances, and a lot of people have gone through a lot more than I ever will. This is what I'm telling you. If you allow them to keep you captive, they will for the rest of your life. You, you remember the Break Every Chain? And you remember the song before that? How, how it's a jail. Like, that's the picture. Like, he's the only one that can break me free. He's the only one that sets the captives free. Sets the captives free is not this really cool church word. It means all of us are held in captivity, and for us to become an army, we have to be set free. Well, how does that happen? How do we break the bad? And in, in this particular case, how do we break the hate? How do we break the anxiety and the hate and the dislike and the, by the way, holding grudges toward people? How does that happen? By the way, in, in the original language, the word hate literally translates a deep, deep dislike to the point of hoping, in, inside of me, hoping that the worst will happen to that person. That's how you know if you hate somebody. Like, I, I've never hated anybody. I just dislike them. Well, if you hope the bad things happen to them in life, like the worst of the worst happen to them, well, what about Osama bin Laden? He deserves it. Yeah, it's awkward. And I don't know him personally, and it's not something that personally happened to me. Do I think justice is different? Absolutely. But when I hope anybody goes to hell, when I realize the reality of what hell is, there's, there's an issue, and it's my heart. And it's cold, and it's dark, and guess what? I'm like that lion, man. I can hide it. I can put on that mask, and I can make you think because I have the ability to communicate to you with an eccentric personality and my hands moving and I'm passionate about everything, so I can be passionate about this, and I can put on a mask, and I, can, and I can get through a day when I'm hurting inside, and I have so much anger inside of my heart that I can make you think that I'm awesome. It's scary, because every one of us at some point do it. And here's the deal. Many times in my life, I've left an event, like a youth service. I remember being a student and leaving something like the beach retreat or like a, a, a disciple night weekend, you leave, and you're like, I'm going to take the world over. I'm going to change the world for Jesus. And I have these great intentions. And great intentions will last one or two weeks, man. And you are like ready to go for Jesus. I'm never going to do this sin again. Well, well, at the root of those sins, a lot of times is hate. Someone that wronged you, something that happened. But you know what? Remember that trap two weeks ago if y'all were here? The trap doesn't care what the hate is as long as it's got you held in captivity. It doesn't really care. Well, at the root to get the key and unlock the door and let me in, I've got to have Jesus. But I never want that. I just, I, I want to put my mind to it. And I want to get free. I, I want y'all to see something. I want y'all to see something. And if you leave with one thing today, I hope you'll leave with this and then the answer that I'm going to give at the end. But you cannot break the hate. You can't break free from the hate that has you held down with good intentions. You can have the best intentions you want. You can keep... You can withhold food and fast. By the way, the purpose of fasting, if you study the Bible, the purpose of fasting, probably the number one purpose is to break chains. So, so, so this is a good thing if we fast to break the chains, but only if we let God have it. If, if we try to do it by our own merit or by doing the right thing, 
or, or by just trying to be nice to them, eventually the root's going to come back. It's, it's so frustrating, isn't it? So frustrating to hate. And I don't understand what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 5, by the way. It's the most famous sermon ever preached. It's what Jesus did in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And in 544, Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for the people that persecute you. You know the people in your life that you thought about immediately that hate you or have wronged you or the, or the situation that happened in your life? You, sh- you should love them and pray for them. Yeah, I'm not there. I might not hate them, but I'm sure not there. Guys, I'm telling you, until we get to the point that we start praying, the best that God will do for those people in our lives that have wronged us more than anybody else, the people that have screwed you over, pardon my language, screwed you over in your life, let that point, then I'm free. If you're there, then praise God. That is incredible. In the first service, about eight of the 75 adults that were in here were there. I'm not. If you, if you got a worship guide, you got this today. If you got a worship guide, you got this today, and I want you to pull it out. And this is what I want you to do on it, and you don't have to do it right this second. Um, if you don't have one of these, you can put it in your in your somewhere in your phone or your tablet or whatever you have with you in your Bible. If you have a Bible, write it down in your, in your notebook that you take. I want you to write down the person, the people, or the group that has wronged you, and you know you hold a grudge. Because, guys, I'm telling you, it is holding you captive, and you will never be free until you let it go. You will never be free until you let God have it. So today I want to continue in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, and this is where we get the answers to how to break free. And it's awesome. How to break the hate. Remember, if, if you've been here and if you haven't, John, 1 John, different than maybe any other book that we read, all he uses is a comparative letter. It's a five-chapter letter, but it's comparative the entire time. And what he's doing is, is he's showing a contrast of like light and darkness, Love and hate, hope and hopelessness, uh, death and life. And, and today it's love and hate. And, and this is what the frustrating thing is in life. You cannot have love and hate in your heart. You can have moments that pop up loving, but you can't have love and hate. You either hate or there's love that comes in you and, and you fall into sin, but ultimately you love. That's hard. But that's what we're going to look at today, and it's awesome. Because I'm telling you, the good news is we're all going to walk away here changed if we'll obey what God tells us to do. So watch this. First John chapter, chapter 3, starting in verse 14, it says, We know that we have passed out of death. This is how we know what's going on. This is the evidence. We know we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Your translation might say brothers and sisters. But basically what this means, people can tell if you're saved It doesn't matter if you've raised your hand. That's awesome. We want to celebrate with you, and we want to help you take your next steps. But this is the whole deal. We know. You say, I'm saved, dude. I'm saved. Like You you baptized me. No, this is how we know if you've passed from death to life. This is it. This is the evidence. So this is how we know all of you. Don't judge me because I can speak. Don't judge me because I can write a nice 140-character thing on social media and make you think that I'm awesome. Judge me based totally on this, and that's it. That's it. This is how we know if you've passed from death to life. If you love people, whoever does not love abides in the tyranny of death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Like that lion. Like I am. Now here's the bad news. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Really, Pastor Mark, so what do I do? 
Like, now what you're telling me is there's no hope for me. Actually, that is what I'm telling you. There's no hope for any of us outside of Jesus. Because, see, here's the good news. Here's the good news. You can actually kill somebody and not just hate somebody and go to heaven. You can be saved and do that. How do we know that? Acts chapter 7, verses 58 through 61. Stephen, one of the great stories in the Bible, one of, the most, one of my favorite Bible characters to study. What, a, what an amazing man that never turned away from God right when the early church was starting. Unbelievable story. Paul, who wrote 13 books in the New Testament, who maybe touched more people than any other person in the entire Scripture, was at that time Saul of Tarsus. And he was the leading person on the religious council. And he looked down at Stephen. He had the final seventh vote that would cast the deal. He would be killed by stones that would hit him in the head and kill him. Or he would set him free. And he said, no, kill him. I cast the last lot. And he actually said with his mouth, I killed somebody, but God can save me. So the good news is, even if you've actually murdered somebody, there's no sin on the planet. No sin that can keep you from being saved other than one. And that is true rejection and never trusting Jesus. That's it. That's the only, that's the only unpardonable sin. Suicide is not. Suicide is not. If you'd really get saved, suicide does not send you to hell. So that's a myth and we can bust it right now. The only sin that can keep me from heaven is hatred toward God and people and never trusting him. And only you know if you've given him your full life and said, God, I can't do this anymore. I've tried everything. I give up. I can't do it. But it's scary, isn't it? It's scary to look and say, guys, I'm just being honest. I have so much hatred in my heart and I don't know what to do. Pastor Mark, what do I do? What do I do to move forward? What do I do? Some of y'all have seen this and some of you haven't. If you're a guest with us today, man, we're so pumped that you're here. But you would not have heard this, but the last couple of weeks were a whirlwind for my family uh, because Leah's aunt passed away and then we, of course, had her funeral. And the day of her funeral that evening, my grandfather passed away. And I told some of you guys that were here Sunday morning of last week. And then Tuesday, I had the opportunity to uh, preach his funeral, which was an amazing opportunity to, to make fun of and have, have a good time and laugh but then talk about what kind of man he really was. This was a man that had an eighth grade education. Very simple man. But God did amazing things in his life. Amazing things in a simple man's life. It's not, it's not about what you are or what you know. And education is amazing, by the way. I'm not taking anything away. But it's not about that or how much money you have. It's about who you are in Jesus. Like his dying wish to me, when I was standing there talking to him, what do you want at your funeral was, please tell him I was an idiot. Just an old Italian that met Jesus and he's somebody. Tell them about somebody, don't tell them about me. And with tears in my face, I said, that's what I'll do. But this is like the thing, like my dad got to give the eulogy and then I did the message. And this is the thing that both of us had. The only similarity to our messages that were exact was he was a man of prayer. I said he was a prayer warrior. What does that mean? A lot of times, maybe y'all are like me, we look at people and we say, I'm praying for you. And in the South, what that means is like, I'm really sorry what happened. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to pray. I've really tried to change that where I take a journal, and every time I write something down, I really try to pray. And by, by, by name, many of you this week, because I know you're hurting, I've called you by name, but it's something that's had to change in my life a bunch. 
I'm going to tell you who didn't have to change that is my grandpa. Like, one of the things the funeral home told us, and like, I don't know what I want them to say at the end of my life exactly, because like, it's, it's so hard. It's like clouds when you really start thinking about it. But if this is one of them, holy cow, like, this is awesome. Dude, he had, he had calluses on his knees from where he prayed every single morning of his life for the last 15 or 20 years, every day starting at 4 a.m., at least an hour. And in the room that we were in, it was people he knew, and Dad was able to share, and then I was able to share. Guys, it was you that he was praying for, for your salvation, for your hope. And then it was for people that hated him, that he had wronged, or they had wronged him for whatever reason. Guys, we're all selfish, so we wrong each other, right? Like, like people do stuff to get to the top. We've, we've done things that have screwed up. We've wronged other people, and, and we want freedom from their hate, but we don't want to give the freedom back. For whatever happened in your life, and for a lot of us, it's, it's anger at God because well, how could you take my loved one from me? Here's the thing. The reason that I've hold grudges is because I don't spend time in prayer, praying that God would free those people and forgive them for what they did wrong. The F word is the most freeing word in the world, and it's not a curse word. It's, it's, it's forgiveness that leads to freedom. That's the F word that we should practice all the time in our lives. That's what happens. It is the most freeing, amazing thing you can possibly experience. But listen, so many of us walk out with good intentions and say, God, I'm going to do this. This is good. Today, and Pastor Martin preached a good message. Thank God. We're going to walk out and we're going to see something. This is good. This is good. I'm going to change. Two weeks later, we're back in the same prison. And we look up and say, God, I tried. I gave you two full weeks. What's wrong? And we never let him come inside and change us. And this, to me, is the picture of what it looks like. And maybe this will help you picture it. How many of y'all like to have nice-looking grass? Like you like your grass to look good. How many of y'all don't give a crud what your grass looks like? Amen. I, I just now, like when I lived at my old house for nine years, my yard was taken care of because the guy that lived there the previous, like, what, 50 years had fertilized it every year. And so basically it was set up for me. The, the soil was so fertile, like when you dig down, it was like black soil in red clayville. So it was like awesome. He had done so much work. He had treated and prepared it. So I got to my new house and I was like, this is going to be easy, right? It was like we built the house and it used to be woods, and they cut them down, so you got all the old stuff, and it was down to red clay, and they put Bermuda soil down, or Bermuda sod down, I mean. So this is going to be easy. It's new sod. No weeds are going to come. We've been in the house three years now. Every stinking summer. Weedville everywhere. I mean, I'm just like, oh, my goodness. And there's, like, woods behind and weeds on either side of us with houses. And I'm just like, I don't want weeds. I want nice, pretty grass. I want when people walk by, I want to lay down. I want to make a putting green in my backyard because that's what God wants me to have, right? So, so I got to have nice grass. And I have weeds. It's everywhere. And so I'd buy the stinking weed and feed and I'd throw it out. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it costs. It says weed and feed. It should feed it and it should weed it. Okay, that's what it does. And then I'd cut it. And then we'd sit there and pick them. And they keep coming back. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? And what's wrong with me is I'm not the weed dude. I can't fix it. I don't know what I'm doing. I buy the stuff that's on the shelf at Lowe's. I don't buy the stuff that really does it. And my buddy Patrick, like what his living is, he runs a company, and the whole thing is to make the grass look good, but his nickname, his Twitter handle is Weed Man. He comes and kills my weeds. 
Like, that's his whole deal with, with stuff. So he comes in this big truck. I don't know how big the tank is. It was like 200-gallon tank, and he pours these four chemicals in. Clemson degree in horticulture and all this stuff, and so he knows all this stuff to do. And I'm like, what the crud is that? And he goes, oh, it's sprigged up, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, got it. Now I know what to do. It's easy, right? <laughs> if I'd have just known to put those four things together, I have no idea what any of them were. Right? But he puts the four dudes together, and then he adds water, and it turns this green color, and he sprays it. He's like, in two days, this will happen. Then in three days, cut it. Then I'm putting down this certain fertilizer. You won't have any weeds. I'm like, there's no way you know that. We don't have any weeds. It's freaking crazy. I hadn't done anything. I've cut it twice, but there's no weeds. This is the realization I've come to. He knew how to get down into the soil. He knew how to make the seed not come back where it's impossible, where it throws it away. And then he's going to put something else down in the fall that really kills everything because he said, this isn't really everything. You'll get a couple weeds here and there, but when the, when the grass really starts growing, when it gets hot, the Bermuda will suck it out because of what we did to it. Now, this is what I do. I look at my life and I say, you know what, God? If I do these couple things, I'm just going to pull the weeds out. I'm going to pull the weeds out. I'm going I'm to I'm get rid of the, the weed that is hating my heart. And even though after a while they'll start growing over, I'm going to get rid of it. Trust me. And I put a little weed and feed down, and I leave a message. I put a little more weed and feed down. I leave a message. I want to do what's right. I want to do what's right. I want to do what's right. And then eventually the weeds are everywhere. And I'm like, I'm just going to till the whole yard up and start over. And the, the soil still was bad. And all it takes is one seed. And I never get to the root problem, which is I have, an, I, I have a soil and a heart that is inviting to weeds, which is hate. And just so much dislike that I hope those bad things happen to people. And it keeps me in this, this dungeon, this horrible jail that I never experienced freedom because of my past circumstances, because of the way you wronged me. I never experienced the freedom in Jesus Christ. And hate is honestly what shows out in my life. And until I let Jesus do that, I'm going to keep treating it like I think and walk out with good intentions and be the same person eventually, sooner than later, and maybe in one week, maybe tomorrow, that I am today. Let's look at the next verse. By this we know that, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our life for brothers. Does that literally mean we should die for each other? Maybe. It means we should love each other to the point like Jesus loved us. And that's tough. Verse 17. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? I just want you to think about this one second. And this isn't going to take long, but I want you to think about this. If anyone deserves to hate somebody, if anyone has the right to hate somebody else, is it not God toward me? Because of what I do and what I think and what I say every single day. I stand up here and preach, and yet I'm a hypocrite every single day of my life just by my thought life alone or by the way that I talk about people. Like I told, I, I, I told the funeral this when, when I was speaking to him. I told all the people at the funeral, I never heard my grandpa talk about anybody, and it, and it frustrates me. Like why didn't he talk about people? And then I realized because he prayed for them. The ones that are wrong to me prayed for them. It's hard to talk about people that you're begging God to do what's great in their lives, even the, one that hates, the ones that hate you. Well, that's not what defines me. What defines me is, is trying to do what's right and trying to read the Bible, but then letting that be what describes my life. 
it's such a tension, it's such a difficulty to, to really evaluate who you are, not who your parents are or how much you know, but really who you are when people see what's inside. I'm like that doggone lion that's laying there on the ground. And it looks so sweet when you go by, you can hang out with them, but really they'll eat you and, and just devour you and leave the bones because they're, they're just vicious people that want for them. And that's it. How does God's love abide in a heart like that? Well, that's what's so difficult is it can't. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, God actually turned his back. God the Father turned his back on Jesus because he couldn't look at sin. Now, if he would turn his back on his son when the sin of the world was there, we have to understand that God cannot abide inside of you if sin is what defines you. And then this is what the verse says, verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. Let us not love in word or talk. It's awesome to tell people, and you should, every single day with your words and your talking and your social media and your blogs and however you speak or whatever you do and you're the person beside you as you're speaking to them, that should be the case. But in our actions and our attitudes, that's what people want to know. That's, that's how people know if you're saved. That's, that's how people know that you have love in your heart. That's what people want for freedom. It's not what you say that ultimately makes a difference. And listen, I'm not saying words aren't important. Of course they're important because out of the abundance of the heart, out of the overflow of the heart, this is literally what the Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart is what my mouth says. So some of you are like, why do I always say these things? I don't want to say those things to my wife anymore. I don't want to say those things to my husband or my friends. Why do I say these mean things all the time? Why do they overflow what you say? If there's so much pent-up anger and you can't get over the anger in your life, and you're like, why am I like this? I can't stand it anymore. I don't want to be like this anymore. Well, it's hate. There's a root at the bottom that you've never allowed the Holy Spirit to come inside and say, dude, all I had to do was treat the soil. It's like a reflection that can't come back in. Does that mean every once in a while a little root doesn't pop up? No, it, it, it will. But ultimately, God's goodness will suffocate it. God's goodness will suffocate it and it can't grow anymore. It's amazing. You see, the problem is not, do we know? And for some of you, this may be the first time you've heard it. But that's not really the problem. The problem is not, do we know? The problem is if we've given Jesus everything, because here's the deal. I, I need y'all to, to hear this if you haven't heard anything else. You're only described by the people that know you by one of two ways. It's not are you talented, of course you are. Every one of you were fearfully and wonderfully made and God wants to greatly use you and I need you to know that right now. There's no mistakes, no matter what's happened in the past. I'm telling you, God made all of you in an amazing way, in your way, and wants to use you. So that's not the point. The point is hate or love. So if you hold grudges right now, it's holding you captive and if you've got all these sins in your life, you're like, why do I fall into those sins? Well, maybe that's the, the ultimate root, that if, if you would let God have control, he would heal you. And God would start cleaning the other things because it's not, you don't have to clean up. It's okay not to be okay because God's the ultimate healing. You don't need to try to heal yourself because the truth is you will come back next week and be the same thing. And be like, ah, stinking roots came back again. You see, here's the ultimate deal. Here's the ultimate deal, and this is frustrating, but it's amazing at the same time. This is the ultimate deal. You cannot break the hate 
with good intentions. You can't break the hate with good intentions. But, but, you can with love. You can with love. You can't break the hate with good intentions, but with God's love when it comes inside of you, it overwhelms you and it changes everything. Only you can answer this question, and I want everybody's eyes right here, right now. Everybody's eyes in the room, everybody's eyes. Only you can answer this question for you. Are you defined as a person that holds grudges because of what someone's done to you? And listen, I can't understand it, and I never will, and I'm so sorry if something horrible's happened to you recently or even 15, 20, 30 years ago. But isn't it time to walk away with freedom? Isn't it time to let God free you from your past circumstances and failures? God is greater than every one of your circumstances. There's not a single thing that's happened that God didn't know was going to happen. You said, why would he let my dad die? I'm so close to him. Why would he let my wife cheat on me? Why would he let those people do that to me? They all slandered me. If you knew the things that happened to me, you, it was just different. No, we killed Jesus. But this is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us enough to send Jesus to take the place of our sin so that we can have freedom to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. There's power. There's power. That's where the power comes from. You walk out of here and you're like, Pastor Mark, awesome job. Great job today, dude. That message was awesome. You say, I want to change. That's awesome. Praise God. And you don't let him change you. It's like putting weed and feet down. And for two weeks, there's no weeds. But they're coming back. But at the moment that he comes in, the Bible describes my heart as a heart of stone. At the moment that he comes in and, and just comes in and takes my heart of stone and puts his heart in and makes me totally different and, and frees me, then even when the difficulties come in my life, I'll start looking toward him. And even though I fall back into sin because I have a sinful nature, it'll start changing things. And I'll start being pulled by him, Mark. Dude, that's why we got guardrails, man. Make wise decisions. Listen to wise counsel and people in your life. Follow me. Follow me. You can change and never be the same, but it will never happen until you give God everything in your heart. And this is what it looks like. I just want to give you all the, the what this actually looks like. I give up. I've tried everything in my life. I've messed around with a bunch of stuff. But God, me and you right now, this is just me and you. I'll let you have all this, everything that I am, because I know I can't do it. I want freedom. I'm in a bondage jail. I have chains wrapped around my neck, and I'm in a jail cell of my own self and my own circumstances. I hate people. And I want you to take this card, and I want you to keep it, and I want you to start praying for people every single day that's on this card. I don't want you to rip it up and throw it down and say, I've broken the chain. That's good intentions. I want you to take this and put it somewhere that only you're going to see it. I want you to start loving the people, not hoping that their worst happens and hoping that they go to hell. I want you to pray that God will free you from that captivity because only he can. And at the point that happens, guys, it changes everything. It frees you from the bondage that is you. Because you're the hell of your own creation a lot of times. You're the closest thing, you and your life and what your mind does is the closest thing many of you will ever experience to hell, but they're hells of our own creation that we hold ourselves in captivity. I'm asking y'all today to walk away free. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. We're going to give you a chance to say yes to Jesus. And this is Billy Graham's words, not mine. 
but he says 70 to 80% of the people that sit in churches every Sunday don't know him. This is one of the reasons that I think. Because if, if the world described us, they would describe us as hating and holding grudges, guess what, toward people in the, with each other. Better yet, people out there. So why would they want what we have if we're not love? If we don't love God and love people? There's a bunch of us that need freedom today. So the opportunity that we're going to give you in just a second is to say yes to him and to say, God, I need you more than I need anything else. Come in my life and change me forever. Give me a new heart. You know that I've sinned, but thank you for dying and then rising from the dead to defeat death and give me life. And that's what we want to give you today. Will you bow with me and close your eyes? Guys, this is going to be very brief, but if that's you this morning, if that's you this morning, don't let pride or the people around you or anything else be what holds you back. This is the greatest gift that we can possibly give you. If I could give you a million-dollar winning lottery ticket, all of you would run and jump toward me. But that million dollars, the day that you meet Jesus, when your appointment has come and your ticket is pulled, and that's the last breath that you have on this earth, that million dollars isn't going to do you much good, and we'd all take it right now. But honestly, if this is something that you want, you should spring to your feet and jump for joy because this is so much greater because this is freedom forever and forever. This is freedom. And we want you to have this, guys. This is what we want for every single person. I don't care if you've grown up in church or today's your first time in a long time. We want you to have this. And so I just want you to be totally honest with you. Don't worry about what anyone else is thinking. Don't, don't worry about what anyone else is doing. This is for you. This is your moment. On the count of three, in just a second, I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor Mark, I want salvation right now. I need that. Already one person today, will anyone else say, that is me, that's what I need. That is what changes everything. If we have that happen to people, the game changes forever. So right now, on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand and not worry about anybody else. And say, Pastor Mark, that's me, I, that's what I want to do. One, two, three, raise your hand wherever you are. If that's what you want to do in your life, if that's what you want to do in your life, Pastor Mark, I need to be saved right here and right now I need to be saved. I just want you to raise your hand and say, that's me, that's me. I need to be saved right now. I need Jesus. I want everyone to look at me, everyone to look at me. And I'm asking every one of you with every, all of the friends and family and everybody looking around. I wonder how many of you guys would say the truth is I struggle with holding grudges, with letting go, with allowing God to have control of these situations, with praying for those who have messed up and hurt me. And the truth is I have hate in my heart. And, my, and Jesus described that as murder in the earlier part of Matthew chapter 5. And so because of my guilt for hating others, withholding grudges, I just want to be free from that. I'm saved, or maybe you're not, but right now what you're saying with everybody looking around is, I wrote a name down and I just, let's just pray for each other right now, but I need help and that's me. Just all over the room, I just want you to raise your hand if that's you. Raise your hand if that's you. That's something that I'm really struggling with. All over the room, almost every single person raised their hand. Guys, we're in it together because <laughs> I, I would raise my hand if I was sitting down there because that's certainly me. And so the hope that we have for you is that all of us will leave. And as Shannon described it, there's an army rising up. That army will rise up when we don't have good intentions only, but we allow God to give us a new heart and a new life. Will you stand with us? Will you stand with us? 
God, thank you so much for your blessings. And I pray that we'll leave here today and we'll never be the same because you give us a new heart and a new life. I pray that you you make us like you, like we've never been before. In Jesus' name, amen.